0: Welcome to the St. Michael Fall Podcast Series. My name is Chris Garada and I will be leading our meditation today. Our theme this fall is God is doing a new thing. Following our 75th anniversary, St. Michael is refreshed and renewed for a bright future. And now God is calling us to make new commitments in our faith and in our community. Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your home town the things that you have heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Here ends the reading. Ooh, this is a good one. This is one of my favorites. Jesus is back home, back in the town where he grew up, and he's ready to kick off his ministry in a big way. After having been baptized and tempted in the wilderness, Jesus returns to Nazareth and proclaims that God is doing something new. He reads from the prophet Isaiah, a promise that has been made centuries earlier and a promise that all the good Jews have been praying will be fulfilled and tells them it's time. Now, one would think, They'd cheer and celebrate. Finally, what they had hoped for was coming true. Yet instead, they tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Now, I had a mentor who once worked in a church in Montgomery, Alabama. It's a gorgeous old church near the center of town with an active congregation, but he often joked that the motto of the church was, we don't do that here. You see, churches, like synagogues, like consistency. Churches like doing things the right way, whichever way that happens to be, and anyone who comes along to upset the apple cart, as it were, makes themselves a target. Even though I've read this passage countless times, I still find myself cringing just a little bit because I know you don't just walk up in front of a church and say, everything's going to change and expect that everyone will be happy. I am totally certain that Jesus knew what he was doing. There is nothing in me that thinks Jesus was surprised by their reaction. No, I think Jesus at his core was a rabble rouser, a holy antagonist, you might say. And when he proclaimed that the prophecy was being fulfilled, he knew the people would react. So then, why would Jesus proceed that way? If Jesus knew that the congregation would react badly, why not approach his message with a gentle touch? Perhaps proposing an idea softly and suggesting the synagogue name leaders to serve on a committee to discern a thorough response to Jesus' news and a proper path forward over the coming years. Can you tell I've worked in a church a long time? Now this is a fascinating question to ask, especially because, all joking aside, I think an approach like that may have ended up bringing more people to his side than the shock and awe of Jesus' response. There is no correct answer to the question I asked, why did Jesus proceed this way? But I think I can offer one for your consideration. God's cosmic plan worked out in the incarnation of Jesus Christ sought the full renewal and salvation of all humanity, indeed the entire world. There is a speed at which Jesus operates, a sense of urgency with which Jesus conducts himself. Jesus seems to communicate the sacred pressure of renewal in a way that most of us have lost. Not true, many of us are passionate about our faith, but how many of us truly behave as if the call to renew the world is a task set for us right now? As I look around our city, I see the need for passionate faith in every corner. We are gifted and blessed in so many ways, and we can push ourselves to be part of God's work with abundance. You, each of you, has incredible capacity, and God is asking you to transform your capacity into action. Today, this week, this month, you and I have the choice to deepen and increase our commitment in ways that will help spread God's love in new ways touching hearts and minds in need all around us. Jesus did not waste time. He knew that his work was critical for the good of the world, and we are called now to renew that right spirit within us and our community. Jesus came to fulfill the promise God made thousands of years ago, and the new promise of life lived in the fullness of God is offered to you and to me. So, what are you waiting for? I think it's time to get moving. Amen.